Thank you for tuning in to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to a church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church you connect with, you belong here. Right now, Collective is fully online, so if you like the podcast, make sure to check us out on Facebook at My Collective Church on Sunday mornings at 9.25 a.m. We would love for you to join us. Stay tuned this summer as we have some big announcements coming up about the future of Collective. Now, let's get into today's message. To start today, I want some interaction from you all. At the bottom of the video, there are some emoji reactions that you can click on. So here's what I want you to do in a few seconds. If you grew up using cassette tapes, I want you to click on the heart emoji. Now, if you know what cassette tapes are, but you never use them, click on the thumbs up emoji. If you have no idea what a cassette tape is, click on the wow face emoji. Ready? Go. Now, I'm expecting a lot of heart emojis to be popping up right now, maybe a few thumbs up. To be honest, if I see a wow face emoji, I'm just going to feel old. Growing up, my favorite cassette tape was the soundtrack for D2, The Mighty Ducks. It was a jammer. Whoop, there it is by Tag Team, Wild Thing by The Trogs, Rock and Roll by Gary Glitter, who was a real person. We Will Rock You and We Are the Champions by the greatest band of all time, Queen. I used to rock that cassette in my yellow Sony Walkman. I'd clip it to my gym shorts and I'd play hockey in the street with my brother. Those were definitely simpler times. Now, the best part about cassette tapes wasn't the sweet movie soundtracks that you could rollerblade to or the fact that you could rock the Beastie Boys licensed ill without your parents hearing it come through your speakers. It was the fact that you could record onto them. Depending on the stereo you owned, you could record from one cassette to another. Or what most of us did was we would record straight from the radio. Growing up, I would turn on DC 101 and spend hours listening to try and find that song, right? looking for that one song to come on. And as soon as it came on, you hit record as quickly as possible in order to capture the song. And I would spend hours making my own mixtapes. And many of you did the same thing. You would have 45 minutes of songs on side A that were mostly missing the intros because you didn't hit record fast enough but you would end up with a custom-made mixtape of your favorite songs. Today, we're kicking off a brand new series called Summer Mixtape. And just like how a mixtape is a compilation of your favorite songs by a group of different artists, that's what this sermon series is. So over the next five weeks, I, along with a few guest speakers, will share some of our favorite messages. Think of it like a sermon mixtape. Great teaching, different speakers, just without the cassette tapes, because I'm pretty sure no one has a Sony Walkman handy. Now this week, I'm gonna go through Psalm 63. And the reason why I wanna teach you this is because about a year ago, my mentor actually taught on this Psalm and it grabbed hold of me. And I think it'll do the same for you. Now the word Psalm means song. In the Bible, there's a collection of songs written down as poetry and it's called the Book of Psalms. And Psalm 63 is written by King David. And this is how it begins in verse one. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. 
Now this Psalm was written over 3000 years ago, but man, does it speak to us right now, right? Because we know what it feels like to be parched. We know how it feels to be weary. We know what it's like to have our soul thirst for something, to long for something. And as we sit in this season that somehow seems to get better and worse at the same time, and we sit in this season where we're forced to take assessment of how we live, as we sit in this season that's just flat out exhausting, I believe that this psalm can bring hope. This psalm has been called different things. It's been called the psalm of the thirsty soul, the psalm of the desperate life, the psalm of the satisfied soul, the psalm of the wilderness experience, the psalm of longing for God. And even if you don't feel that way right now where your soul feels burdened, there will be moments in the future. And I think God wants to use today to prepare you for that. So I'd encourage you to take good notes, take good screenshots, whatever it is, because here's what David suggests we do when, when our souls are parched, when times are heavy, when we feel those burdens. He continues in Psalm 63. I've seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. So David's saying, God, I'm struggling right now, but I've been in the place where I've experienced your love and I remember that. And we don't know what exact experience David is referencing. It could have been one of the many different battles that God had won for him. It could have been the time when he was just the runt of the family, but a special messenger told him that he would actually be the next king of Israel. It could be the time when he was still young and he stood up to the giant Goliath and took one rock and one swing of his sling and took him down. It could have been related to the time when David and his men went off and defeated an enemy in battle and came back full of joy only to find out that another enemy had come and taken their kids and their wives. But then God providentially led David and his men to their families and they rescued them and brought them home safely. It could even have been the time when David committed adultery. He committed adultery with a woman across the street. Then he had her husband murdered and tried to cover the entire thing up. But then it all came out in public and God spared David's life and told him, I'm going to give you grace. Whatever it was, David is looking back and he's saying, I remember how you shown me your love and I don't forget that. So here's the first thing that David teaches us. And I want you to write this down. When our souls are parched, we remember, right? We remember God's unfailing love. We remember God's faithfulness. We remember what he's done for us, right? Because if you remember how God has been good to you in the past, you will be faithful to God in the present. And so David says, I'm in this dry and weary land, but I can't give up on you because you have never given up on me. In your relationship with Jesus, you will have dry seasons. And when that happens, you need to take a step back and remember. Now, if you're not sure how you can do that, here are some suggestions from people that I know. I have a friend who spent the last year struggling with his faith. And in his lowest moments, he told me that he remembers his baptism, right? He remembers accepting grace. He remembers believing so that even in times of doubt, he can hang on to that decision and what that meant to his faith in his relationship with Jesus. I know people who, as they read their Bible, they'll write in the margins. But instead of writing notes from a preacher or someone else that they heard, they write about their life experiences and how they, what they are reading connects back to their faith. 
So as they flip through their Bible over the years, they'll see dozens of notes next to the margins of specific Bible verses as reminders of how God was present in their lives. I know people who keep a prayer journal, so they're able to look back over the prayers that have been answered, especially the ones that were answered in different ways than they expected. I know a family who has a small box that they keep in their house. And every time they see God do something big in their life, they write it down and they place it in the box. And at the end of every year, they go back through and they read every single one of those notes as a reminder of how they experienced God's love in the past year. I personally just get a lot of tattoos and I'm not even kidding you and I can't stop. But what can you do to remind yourself of God's unfailing love? And I know some of you will say, I don't really even follow God, so I'm not sure I have anything to remember. But I'd push back and say that that's just not true. God created you. God somehow connected you to this church. And I can guarantee you, if you take a look back in your life, there are things where you just know something bigger was going on, that you're part of a larger story, that God was there. Don't ignore that. That's God being faithful to you before you ever recognized it. You see, David says that when your soul is parched, you remember the past. When you feel weary, you remember one thing that God has done for you. David continues, I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night because you are my helper. I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. Now, there's a few things that I could point out here. David references multiple times singing songs of praise, worshiping God. This is actually one of the reasons that we made sure music was a part of Collective Online. Because even though it's very tough to record and mix sound, and even though it might feel a little weird singing in your house on Sunday mornings, we should sing songs of joy. But that's not actually what I want to point out in that, in that section. Let's check out verse six again. This is what David wrote. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. When feeling burdened, when his soul was thirsty, when he couldn't sleep, instead of lying awake, stressing about what is going on in his life, David meditates. And so it's interesting to me, David says, I lie awake thinking about you. But instead of lying awake thinking of the problem, David lies awake thinking of the person who can fix the problem. Well, let me say that again. Instead of lying awake thinking of the problem, David lies awake thinking of the person who can fix the problem. Instead of thinking about the issue, David thinks about the one who holds the issue in his hand and isn't losing any sleep about it whatsoever. Hey, doesn't that sound nice? I want to lie awake thinking of God and not the problems that weigh me down. But how do I do that? Well, David tells us he meditates. And that word can sound a little weird for us because meditating tends to conjure up images of people in strange poses, chanting things with their eyes closed. But what Christian meditation has traditionally been is taking one scripture, one verse from the Bible and repeating it over and over and over again. Right, so this is what David is doing here. This is the second takeaway for today. When our souls are parched, we meditate. We meditate on God's promises. We meditate on his teachings. We meditate on his words. 
And so I challenge you to pick a verse from the Bible that relates to whatever issue you are facing right now and meditate on it. Repeat it over and over and over again. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, what if I don't have a Bible verse to meditate on, right? Like, what if I don't know the Bible? Well, here's what I do. And I know this might come as a shock to some of you because you think that when I write a sermon that it's easy for me to come up with scripture examples because I have the entire Bible memorized. Well, I don't. And I'm sorry if that disappoints you, but when it comes to the Bible, I legitimately have a terrible memory. And so what I actually do is I go to a website called openbible.info. I'm not even kidding. This is what I do when I write sermons. And at the top of the page, there's a link that says topical Bible. And what the creators of this website have done is they've listed hundreds of topics so that when you type in something that you are facing, it will show you different scriptures about that. So maybe you lie awake, not thinking of God, but you lie awake worrying. So you search for that word and then you read this verse, 1 Peter 5, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. So you just say that over and over again. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Give all of your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Give all of your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. And if you find yourself worrying again about your job or your relationships or your faith, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. You repeat it over and over again. Let's say that you hit a rough spot in your marriage and that's the thing that's keeping you up at night. It's the person lying next to you. So you look up marriage on this website and you read 1 Corinthians. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. And you meditate on that over and over and over again. Love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. Love is patient and kind. It's not arrogant and rude. It does not envy and boast. You start to think, my spouse is arrogant and rude, but you focus back on these verses so it becomes a part of you. So as you go through your day tomorrow, you work on figuring out how to be more patient, how to not be arrogant, how to not be rude with your spouse. Openbible.info. It's really been helpful for me over the years when my soul is parts and I need to meditate on God's words. And you don't just have to do this at night. You can take a post-it note and put it on your mirror so you see it every day when you brush your teeth. You can put it in your car so you see it when you're driving. You can put it as the wallpaper on your phone. But what David says is that when we get to a place where he wants to give up, when he gets to a place where he feels burdened, where his soul is parched, he wants to walk away from God or just everything, he meditates on God's promises. Take one verse and meditate on it over and over and over again. And listen, if you don't follow God, you should give this a shot as well. I mean, seriously, what, what is it going to hurt? Because I bet what will actually happen if you do this is that God's going to give you some hope. And if you don't believe me, try it and see what happens. Try to prove me wrong. Because when my soul is parts, I meditate on God's word. And it worked for David and it can work for us as well. Now, here's how David finishes this psalm, starting in verse nine. But those plotting to destroy me will come to ruin. They will go down into the, into the depths of the earth. And so what he's actually saying is there, there is my enemies will go to hell. That's what David is saying. He continues, they will die by the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear to tell the truth will praise him while liars will be silenced. And here's what David is doing. He's rejoicing about what's to come. 
when COVID first started, Ray and I started catching up on all the shows that we wanted to watch online. And anytime we start watching a new show, I have this problem where I can't help but go online to read about the show that I'm watching. I'll go on IMDb and I'll see how many episodes like each character is in. I'll go on Rotten Tomatoes and see the audience score to see if like from season to season, if things change. I'll even go on Wikipedia to see what the ratings were like as the show continued on. And I do this because if I'm going to invest a few nights or even a few weeks in watching a show, I kind of want to know ahead of time if a character dies. I kind of want to know when a big twist comes. And it drives my wife nuts, but I want spoilers. And listen, I know you're judging me for that, but I don't care. And here's why. Science is on my side. Although we say we don't like spoilers because we want to experience it ourselves, that isn't actually true. Most of you just aren't willing to say that out loud to somebody else. But it's actually been proven with data that we actually enjoy things more if we know how it ends in advance. There's new research out of the University of California where they did a study on a group of people and they used short stories that they'd never heard before. And they told half the group what happened in advance. And those people enjoyed the stories measurably more than people who didn't know what was going to happen in the end. And like, I get that. Like, it's fun to watch because we know how it ends. We know the characters we like are gonna be okay. We know that it's gonna end the way we want it to. And here's my point. And this should give you hope. We know how this story ends, right? Jesus gives a spoiler alert. In John 14, he says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may also be. See, we believe Jesus because after he died on the cross, he rose from the grave. And he says, I'm coming back. And that's when we'll experience this, this eternity without pain and without brokenness and without injustice. So in Psalm 63, David is reminding himself that although what he sees in front of him isn't right, although evil people are chasing righteous people, although the king is not on his throne, although God, what you promise is not happening just yet, I have faith that you will make it right in the end and I'm trusting you to do that. Which means for me, when my soul is parched, when I see things going wrong, I rejoice. I rejoice because I know that this world isn't all that there is. I rejoice because Jesus has given me the opportunity to experience life in him that's so much better than anything this world can offer. I rejoice because Jesus promises we can spend eternity with him and no longer have to put up with the pain of this world. When our souls are parched, we rejoice. We look forward to when Jesus returns. And that's the hope that people who follow Jesus stand on. So whether you feel parched right now or you will do so in the future, here's what David tells us to do. We remember God's faithfulness. We meditate on God's promise. We rejoice in God's return. Now, I wanna finish you by showing my favorite word in this Psalm. Let's go back to verse one. This is what it says again. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. Here's my favorite word, my, my. God, you're not the God of my parents. God, you're not the God of my childhood. God, you're not the God of the church. God, you're not the God of my grandparents. You are my God. And I hold on to that. I call on you. And so I have to ask, can you say that? Can you say, God, when everything falls apart, 
When I have a soul thirst that nothing in this world can satisfy, you are my God. Can you say that? Because that is what God wants for you. He wants so badly for you to be connected to him that Jesus died on the cross so you can say, God, you are my God. And if you can't say that, the Bible teaches us that what we do and what we need to do to receive that is to repent and to be baptized, to turn away from the life that you're living, turn away from the burden, turn away from that thirst that you have in your life, turn away from trying to fill your life with things that don't matter and celebrate your faith in Jesus through baptism. And if you're ready to do that, if you feel like you're in that place right now, all you have to do is check the baptism box on the online connection card and we'll follow up with you this week to have a conversation about what that looks like for you. Now, I told you different things that this psalm is called, but another thing the psalm is called is the psalm of the morning. In fact, a Christian leader from hundreds of years ago said this, among the early Christians, it was decreed and ordained that no day should pass without the public singing of Psalm 63. They didn't go a single day without singing this song. Now, why would that be? It's because you have a thirst that only God can answer. In fact, I read about the nuns of Calcutta who devote their lives to working with the poor and destitute and the sick. And every morning before they go out to care for the outcasted and marginalized people of their community, they say the same prayer. I thirst. That's it. I thirst. They begin every day with a reminder that my soul is parched and there's only one who can fill me. So my question for you is this. Are you thirsty? Are you weary? Are you burdened by the things that keep you up at night? And maybe you try to fill that God void in your soul with something that doesn't quite fit. Or, or maybe you follow Jesus and you're just in one of those seasons right now where you thirst. There's good news because Jesus says, if you drink regular water, you will be thirsty again. But if you drink what I give you, you will never be thirsty. Psalm 107 says, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. John 4, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Revelation 22, let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires to drink freely from the water of life. Jesus wants to give you good things. He wants to fill you with good things. God wants to get you through whatever you're going through right now, whatever you will go through in the future. He has been faithful to you in the past. He has given you some good things to meditate on right now. And he will make things right one day. Just hang on. Let's pray. God, um, I think right now, especially, we long for you. God, our souls are parts. We are tired. We're worn out. God, we're carrying burdens that we never knew were burdens before. And God, we are calling out to you and God, we are crying out to you because we're thirsty for what you can give us. So God, as I pray, as, as many of us go through this season of life that we never asked for, we never wanted, we never expected. God, as we continue to stay up at night, lying awake, wondering what's going on, as we continue to feel the heaviness of this world, God, I, I pray that we find peace through you. God, I pray uh, that we can trust you. God, I pray that we can remember the good things that you've done in our life. God, I pray that we can read the scripture and know that those things are still true. God, I pray that we can rejoice in the fact 
that one day you will come back and all this will go away and everything will be made right again. But God, until then, until that day comes, I pray that we as a church can move towards you and lean on you and trust you and allow you to fill up our souls. God, thank you that you love us so much that you don't want us to carry heavy burdens. You don't want us to be parched, that you give us an opportunity to drink good living water that will satisfy our souls. God, I pray for anybody who's in that spot and longing for that. God, I pray that this is the week where they move closer to saying yes to that. God, for people who already follow you, who feel like they're back in the place of feeling dry, God, I pray that you fill them up this week. God, thank you for David. Thank you for his story. Thank you for the truth that he shares with us. God, we love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.